good evening, Lake Church. Good to see everybody. It's been a little while since I've been up here, so uh, I get to minister to you guys tonight, and uh, I'm excited to share what the Lord has put on my heart. Pastor Greg's taking a little bit of time off to get some rest and refire for January. You know, we're looking to we're looking to do big things in the coming year. You know, we're trying to. Uh, seek the Lord on the direction that he would have us to go, and we're getting his leading, but uh, super excited about that. Um, so I'm going to share with you tonight, it's hard to believe that it's already December 1st, isn't that crazy? December 1st, 2021. Yeah, it's crazy to think about. So are you guys ready for Christmas? Well, it's kind of a mixed response, wasn't it? <laughs> You know, a lot of people ask that question, and I was thinking about how that, you know, if, if you get asked that question and you think, first thing you think is gift lists, event coordination, uh, you know, all of those types of things, then we need to change the way that we're looking at this time of year. In fact, I was, you know, praying, and I felt like the Lord you know, really laid this on my heart that this time of year for a lot of people is not a joyous occasion. It's a stressful. <laughs> Rebecca said no, she's not ready. So uh, uh, this time of year for a lot of people can be very stressful. It can be depressing. It can be painful. And uh, the reason why is because the emphasis or the way that we're, what we're focused on, it, it has nothing to do with Jesus the source of that. In fact, there's a, a spirit that gets on people in this time of year. And I just, today as I was praying, I felt like the Lord said, I want to deliver people uh, from that spirit that gets on people this time of year. That they, when we allow what the world has uh, defined this time of year to be, then it can be a source of pain rather than a source of joy and peace. Um, in fact, um, you know, the, Lord, the uh, world has caused their, their values and their, you know, their ideas of what this time of year should be about to be put on, to be put on our culture. And that even though, uh, those of us in the church, even though we know what this time of year is supposed to symbolize, not everybody celebrates it for what it's supposed to be. In fact, it shouldn't really be a surprise because Jesus wasn't even born in December anyway. So <laughs> the world has hijacked this time of year, and we've bought in to what the world's selling, and we've allowed the spirit of the world to get on us and people get depressed. I, I can just say, you know, have my wife and one of my daughters here. I used to get a little bit grumpy this time of year, you know, <laughs> and it had it, the whole reason why was because my focus wasn't on what it should have been on. And when you allow your focus to be dictated by what the world says is important, then you can find yourself in a place where you're not experiencing what God intends for you to have. You know, so don't worry, I'm not here to play the part of the Grinch who stole Christmas. <laughs> that's, not the, that's not the point of my message. I want to help you. In fact, say, say this after me. Say, I love, I love Pastor, Kevin. Pastor Kevin. I feel the love. I feel the love. <laughs> I, 
And I, I needed it. I needed to know that. So it's important that we as believers, we maintain a right emphasis. Because if we don't, we can observe Christmas and never even consider Christ. You know. And uh, a lot of people do. In fact, there's a lot of people in the world, they observe the holiday, Christmas, but it has nothing to do with Christ. And this isn't a Christmas message, so I'm not preaching a Christmas message at all. But I do want to talk about Christ. Because when we have Him as our emphasis, then, then we're going to experience what He came to give us. You know, my intention is to lead us into an attitude of celebration, reflection, and expectation. That's really what Christ is all about. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about Him. I want to talk about who He is, why He came, and what He did for us as mankind. Amen. In fact, all over the world... The story of Jesus is going to be read, it's going to be recited, it's going to be reenacted. And my desire is not to have the emphasis of sharing with you the nativity story. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. In fact, my emphasis that I want to have in this message is kind of like John the Apostle's emphasis was in the, in the Gospel of John. See, he didn't set out to write another a more accurate historical account of the birth of Christ or the history of Christ. He set out to write about the mystery of Christ. And that's what I want to talk about, the mystery of Christ, who he is, why he is, why he came, and what he has done for us uh, through his birth. So let's go to John chapter 1 and verse 1. You know, in the book of John, in the gospel of John, he doesn't start out with the lineage of Christ. In fact, he doesn't start out with the angel visiting Mary to announce to her that, shockingly to her, that she's about to have a child. Um, that's a joke. So, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it would have been a shock to her to find out she was about to have a baby since she had never been with a man. He didn't start out with a pronouncement to, um, to uh, Zacharias that he and his wife Elizabeth were going to have a child. He doesn't start out with any of that. In fact, he starts out by going all the way back to eternity past. In John chapter 1, he says, In the beginning was the word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Drop down to verse 14. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten uh, from the Father, full of grace and truth. That is what we are to focus on, is the fact that the Word which was with God and was God became flesh. I mean, think about that. What he's declaring there is that the very God who created man humbled himself to, be, to take on flesh. He, he took on the nature of humanity. Divinity took on the nature of humanity 
so that humanity could partake of the nature of divinity. You know, I heard someone say one time that the Son of God became a Son of Man so the sons of men could become sons of God. This is a mystery. The fact that God Almighty could take on the nature of man and retain the nature of God at the same time. Wow. In fact, in uh, Second Timothy or First Timothy chapter three, uh, Paul calls this the mystery of godliness that he was manifested in the flesh. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing how that could even happen. It's even more amazing that God would choose to do it. <laughs> think about how, you know, think about mankind. Think about us. Think about how much lower we are than God in the creative order, that He is our creator, that He would choose to humiliate Himself to come down to our level and to take on our nature amazing and here's the really amazing thing is that he did it permanently oh my goodness he became a man he took on the nature of man he identified himself with humanity he became a man and he did it permanently God Almighty became a man. And just to fast forward, you know, we know he came so that he could die, that he could offer himself a sacrifice for our sins. But then he was raised from the dead and he is seated to, at the right hand of God as a man. Man, that's mind-blowing to think that there is a man seated at the right hand of God Almighty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, he came. He became a man. He, he became flesh. He became one of us so that we could become a part of the God class. And I tell you what, you meditate on that for a little while. That will turn, you, that will turn up some joy in your life. Realize that God Almighty chose. Listen, he didn't have to. Nobody twisted God's arm. <laughs> Nobody leaned on God. Nobody pressured God. This was a part of a pre-existent plan. That God, the very God who created us. Listen, think about it like this. That baby that was born and laid in a manger was the very... Think about this. That baby that was laid in a manger was the very God who created mankind. He humiliated himself and he submitted himself to be totally 100% dependent on the creation that he made. What a mystery. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. We, we need to meditate on this arrival. This, this, is, this is what it was all about is that God came into the human condition. For the very people who in, with a rebellious nature have rejected him, we didn't give him any reason to desire us. 
We didn't give him any reason to, to desire to come and be a part of us. He came for our good. He came because of who he is, not because of who we are. Amen. Turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he made the world's who be in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So this is telling us that in the Old Testament God spoke to man in many ways through the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us through the person and the work of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who was the exact representation of the nature of God. In fact, where it says he was the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. That word person there in some translations is nature. In some translations, it's nature. And the word that's used there, in some places, it's translated assurance. Some places it's translated confidence. And in fact, the Strong's calls it foundation, a foundation word. What this tells us is that this is a, actually talking about a theological term called the hypostatic union. And I don't want to get real technical because I, I want you to get this. But what it's talking about is the fact that God and man were united in one person in the Lord Jesus Christ. And understanding what that, the necessity of that and what he was able to do because of that is where we get our confidence, where we get our assurance, because it is absolutely the very foundation of what we believe. It is the very, the very nature of who Jesus Christ is, is the foundation of everything that the Christian faith hangs its hat on. Listen, because God had to become a man in order to redeem us. Because there was no man who could ever make up for what Adam did in the garden to us. There was nothing we could ever do to, to pay the price for sin. We were hopelessly and helplessly lost. In fact, in the book of Romans chapter 5, it says we were helpless, we were ungodly, we were sinners, and we were enemies of God. But it was in that condition that God demonstrated his great love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But listen, any man couldn't die for us and bring about salvation and bring about redemption. 
Why? Because every person, every man ever born on this earth was born with the nature of Adam, the fallen nature, the sin nature. In fact, it was the very nature of the devil himself. And so for any man to die was just justice. If I died for my own sins, I'm just getting justice. So for us to ever be redeemed, for us to ever have the ability to receive salvation and be reconciled back to God again, it would require an innocent substitute who would willingly sacrifice themselves on behalf of all of us so that they could make atonement for our sins and that it could be counted to us so that we could be reconciled back to God again. Listen, no man could. Every man was born with a sinful nature and every man has acted on that sinful nature. Whether he sinned once or a thousand times doesn't matter. Only a God-man could be perfect and pure and be a sacrifice that would be acceptable unto God that could satisfy the wrath of God against sin. And that's what we're looking at right here. When the Word became flesh, the very reason He became a man was so that He could lay His body down as a sacrifice an atoning sacrifice that would be the redemptive blood payment that would take care of all of our sin and give us the free gift of righteousness so that we could be reconciled back to God again. So that we could be redeemed back to who God originally intended and created us to be. Amen. Hallelujah. When you begin to think about that, that'll cause the joy of the Lord and the peace of God that passes all understanding to rise up in your heart. And it makes all of the things that, that the world has caused Christmas to be about to pale in comparison. And I'm not trying to get you to throw out your time with your family or anything like that. I'm going to enjoy my time with my family. I'm going to enjoy that time that we set aside to come together. But my intention is that I do it with Christ at the center. That's right. And it's so easy for us to just forget. It's so easy for us to get the true spirit of wonder that this season should be about is this mystery that's been unveiled to us in Christ that God took on our nature so that he could lay down his life in sacrifice and redeem us with his own blood perfect, spotless, sinless blood as of a lamb you know, he prophesied this back in Genesis chapter 3, right after Adam and Eve rebelled with, with the serpent. And God pronounced the curse upon the serpent. He says, the seed of the woman is coming, and you are going to bruise his heel, but he is going to crush your head. Prophesied all that time back. Little did we know that it would be God himself who would become a man and would bring victory for all of mankind over the devil and all, over all of his plan to destroy us and to destroy the image of God in mankind. So this word person is super important for us to understand that it is speaking about this unique nature 
that Jesus Christ is both God and man. In fact, in his name, it reveals that he is God and man because Jesus is his human name. You remember whenever the angel appeared to Joseph and to Mary, and they said, you, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from, his, from their sins. That's his human name. Only a, it's his humanity that enabled to be, him to be able to be a substitute for humanity. But Christ is not his last name. It's his title. <laughs> And it reveals his divinity. Man, it, this reveals the whole plan of God, is that his whole intention was to bring man and God back together again. And he did it first in this person. And then the work that Jesus did enabled that to happen for every single one of us. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. It's called the hypostatic union. In uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, let's look at this verse. Just kind of going through some scriptures, just laying this foundation. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And this is what I mentioned earlier. It says, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. You know what that means? It's talking about the fact that, see, Jesus didn't have to be justified like we were justified. Our justification is that we're declared not guilty. That's what justification means. It means that we were, a verdict has been rendered and you have been declared not guilty. But Jesus never sinned. It's talking about he was justified in what he claimed that he was God in the flesh and when he was raised from the dead Romans chapter 1 says that he was proved to be the son of God with power by the spirit when he was raised from the dead it proved that he was who he said he was without the resurrection we have no validation that Jesus was who he said he was and that he accomplished what he said he came to do Amen. Hallelujah. So great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit. He was seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in the glory. So there you have the, the very incarnation to the ascension right there in one mystery. In fact, this was said to be a hymn that they used to sing reciting so that they would make remembrance regularly of who he was and what he came to do. You know, I think we've lost some of that. How often do you think on that? I mean, is that something you regularly meditate on or think about? Maybe that's why we don't see as much victory in our lives because we're not focused on the right things. We're not emphasizing the right things. We're not meditating on the right things. You know, I'm thinking about now whenever the angel came and told Mary what was going to happen, it says she pondered those things in her heart. You know that word pondered means to meditate on it? You know, these are the things we should be thinking about. Not, I've got to get to the store and get five gifts bought before. 
And how am I going to do it? I'm going to put that on a credit card, and you know, I'm. Gonna... That's where that spirit comes from that gets on people and distracts us from what's truly important and what is the true source of joy that God intends us to live in is remembering these things remembrance is a very powerful tool that you have in your spiritual tool belt remembrance you know that's what communion is all about remembering making remembrance of who he is and what he has done for us it brings you to a different perspective when we begin to meditate on those things it's kind of like whenever i if i walk up here on this stage now i have a new perspective and things that seemed bigger from where i was suddenly seem smaller you know whatever you focus on is magnified it doesn't get bigger but it gets bigger to you is this all right? This is, my, this is my heart in this message is to, to bring our focus back to where it truly needs to be so that we don't allow the spirit of the world that's associated with this month to get on us. Because listen, not only am I wanting to bring about an attitude of celebration, but I want to bring about an attitude of preparation because won't be long it'll be january 1st instead of december 1st <laughs> and um you know we have things that we need to be doing we have things to accomplish i'm telling you what god has a plan for what he wants this church to be doing in this coming year and so we can't afford to get off get our thoughts off track you know, I mean, it's, we're going to, we slow down this time of year. But listen, I can guarantee you, we're looking toward what we're getting ready to. <laughs> we may be just slowing, it's kind of like, you know, gearing down. We're slowing down a little bit, but we're about ready to take off again when the first of the year gets here. And we don't have, we don't have time to be getting distracted and getting the spirit of the world on us where we're, getting depressed and getting and getting to looking at other things and getting ourselves in a position to where we're going to be behind in the coming year and trying to play catch up <laughs> you know what i'm saying okay so great is the mystery of godliness so let's look at um the very the reason that jesus had to come that the word had to become flesh was solely for the very purpose of becoming our mediator and bringing about reconciliation between God and between man. He's the only, that's the only way that it could happen. You know, in the book of Job, I don't remember exactly where it's at, and I can't quote it exactly for you, but Job basically said, how can I stand with God? You know, um, and he said, if only I had a mediator who could lay his hand on God and lay his hand on me, then maybe we could come together. I'm telling you, that's why, Jesus, that's why the Word became flesh, so that he could be a mediator that would have the ability to lay his hand on God and lay his hand on man and reconcile and bring us back together again. In fact, Paul calls Jesus 
the only mediator between God and man. He says there is one God, there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. The man, Christ Jesus. He's the, man, we, we need to realize, man, how amazing <laughs> this is that God would become one of us so that he could represent both sides. You know, because what he did is for man, he brought about redemption. For God, he brought about propitiation. And that's a technical term, but it just simply means satisfaction. Did you know that because of the sacrifice of Jesus was so perfect that it totally satisfied God's wrath towards sin? should be a little bit excited about that. <laughs> Did you know that God's wrath towards sin was satisfied by the sacrifice of Jesus? Satisfied. That's what that word means. It means that he, his sacrifice was so perfect, it met every legal demand that was against us because of sin so fully that God was satisfied man that is an amazing <laughs> that is an amazing thing when you sit and think about it God is satisfied that's why we can have confidence and assurance the foundation of our faith is based on the fact that he was able to satisfy God with his sacrifice. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, this is why that um, this is why the virgin birth is so important in uh, in the uh, in Jesus in the Word becoming flesh. Because that's the only way that a man could be uh, not be a part of the Adamic nature. See, Jesus took on the nature of man, but not the nature of Adam. You know, he didn't have the sin nature. That's why God, that's why God caused Mary to, to birth him. Uh, without a man because if, if there had been a man involved the nature of Adam would have been passed on and he wouldn't have been able to be the mediator he wouldn't have been able to be the redeemer he wouldn't have been able to be the savior and in the it's amazing I was thinking about this one time it's been a few years back and studying on it because I was thinking about how that you know the the uh, blood of the mother is where the nutrients come for a child for a fetus and so I was thinking about that I was like well how does that happen without there being some kind of contamination you know how is this and did you know that the, the female body is created in such a way that um, I was reading in a medical journal and those blood vessels all come together and they get so small but they never actually connect. And the nutrients in the mother's blood actually 
through a chemical process, they pass through a membrane and come back into the blood of the fetus, but the two bloods never commingle. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> that amazing? So Mary's body was simply the vehicle that was used to bring Jesus into the world. But her blood and his blood never commingled. In fact, the blood of a child always comes from the Father. So whose blood did Jesus have? <laughs> Amen. He had the blood of our Heavenly Father. So his blood was... His blood was royal blood. His blood was untainted blood. His blood was pure blood. His blood was holy blood. His blood was sanctified blood. His blood was righteous blood. His blood was the blood of God. Oh, man, it was God making himself his own sacrifice to satisfy his own wrath toward our sin so that he could redeem us and reconcile us back to himself that's the gift that we should be focused on in this time of year man what an amazing amazing gift so she was merely the uh, conduit through which the son of god came amen and he was fully god and fully human and had to be because in that, he could fully represent us and fully represent God in bringing us back into reconciliation and redeeming us. Amen. Just go ahead and put it on speaker and let them hear what we're talking about. <laughs> they called it the right time. <laughs> Man, it's just awesome. Amen. Father, we just thank you so much. Thank you so much for what your great plan of redemption, your great plan of salvation, Father God. Oh, your infinite wisdom that you were able to preconceive this plan even before the foundation of the world so that you could provide for us, for our greatest need, for our greatest need, our need to be reconciled back to you through the redemption that is in the blood of Jesus Christ that it was poured out for us as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could be forgiven and that we could be justified and that we could be declared the righteousness of God in Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We just worship you and praise you for that. Oh, we just give you praise for it. What a gift. Oh, Lord, we just receive that gift with joy and with thanksgiving right now. Father God, thank you so much for your great love, Father God. Oh, thank you so much for your great love. Even though we were dead in our trespasses, you made us alive together with Christ and you raised us up together with him and you made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus because of the God-man, because of the man who came from heaven. Hallelujah. We thank you for it, Father God. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you that his sacrifice was perfect. Hallelujah. That his sacrifice redeemed us from all sin. Thank you, Lord. 
Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Man, I just feel like we just need to worship the Lord for that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, glory to God. Thank you for a perfect redemption, Lord. Thank you for a perfect redemption, Lord. Oh, I thank you, Father God. I thank you that this perfect redemption qualifies us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints, Father God. Oh, that we can partake of your very nature, Father God. That we can partake of your very life. Hallelujah. That if you're struggling with sickness here tonight, the very life of God has been made available to you tonight. I don't care if it's cancer, arthritis, a cold even. That that life of God that's been made available to you through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus can drive that out and cause you to come into a state of perfect health in your body. Hallelujah. If you're frustrated tonight, Hallelujah, the, the glory of Jesus and who He is and what He's done for you makes you able to partake of the very peace of God tonight. Partake of the joy of the Lord tonight. The joy of the Lord is your strength. If you're weak tonight, you need the joy of the Lord working in your heart and in your spirit. Hallelujah, turn your eyes toward Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, glory to your name. Glory to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I tell you, if you're struggling with addiction tonight, I'm telling you the sacrifice of Jesus has caused you to be able to access a power that will break every addiction off of your life. Hallelujah. If you're struggling with some kind of sin, there is grace available to you tonight through Jesus Christ and His reconciliation that He made on your behalf that the dominion of sin is broken. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I tell you, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. Praise your name, Lord. We thank you. Glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. If you are frustrated tonight, know that because Jesus came and reconciled you back to God, that there is no situation that's going on in your life right now that he does not has not already made a way to lead you out of tonight. Hallelujah. You have access to God. You have access to the throne. You have access to the wisdom of God, to the knowledge of God. There's no problem that you're facing that God has not already provided for you the answer. But most of us stand on the outside. We stand off far from God because we don't realize the perfect and completeness of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And one reason why is we don't have the confidence and the assurance of understanding who he is and why he is and what he came to do for us. Hallelujah. Mm. Glory, glory, glory. I didn't plan on that, but praise Jesus. Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord. I'm telling you, the Lord told me today that he wants to deliver people from the spirit that's on people. The spirit of depression, the spirit of frustration. You're free. In the name of Jesus, for whom the Son set free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Yes, you got it. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want to talk a little bit more about uh, the redemption that Jesus came to provide for us. I want to show you in the scriptures a little bit more about, you know, his uh, ability to redeem us. In fact, the very laws that govern redemption, God put them in the laws that he gave to Israel. You know, there is a, with God, God is a God of order, and there is a divine protocol uh, there is an order for everything in the kingdom of God. You know, most of the reason why we're not experiencing what Jesus provided for us is because we're out of order. <laughs> it's really a matter of alignment with God. You know, the problem is, is that we just do, we just, we're out here out of alignment and we're praying for God to get in line with us. <laughs> And we're wondering why we aren't seeing the results. Maybe you just need to get into alignment. It's kind of like the person who went down to have their tires checked because their tires were wearing, wearing bad. And, and they come and they told them and said, well, we're going to put all new tires on. But we, you know, we need to do an alignment too because if you just keep on going with your car out of line, it's just going to keep on wearing your tires out. Man, somebody need to hear that tonight. If you keep on going the way you're going, you're going to keep on wearing yourself out. Get in alignment with Jesus. God loves you. He's already done everything to qualify you to be a partaker of this. But anyway, um, there is a protocol to redemption. In fact, when a person would get sold into slavery, there was a protocol for who and how they could get that person bought out of slavery. And that's a picture of us because we were all sold into slavery to the devil. And so God revealed in his law to Israel how that had to be, who could do it and what was necessary uh, to buy us out of slavery. And so I want to show you four things real quick and show you how Jesus met all of those. And the, what I want you to get out of that is that you're redeemed. <laughs> and that he was more than able to bring that about in your life. You know, a lot of us, we just need to, we need to think right. Our, our thinking's messed up. We're not believing right. We're not in faith to the grace of God and what Jesus has done for us. Grace is what God did for you, independent of you, without your permission and without your participation. That's what grace is. Grace is that God decided from the foundation of the world to do this without asking you for permission and without asking you for your participation. That's the grace of God. Faith is when you hear about it and you respond to it in a positive way. When you say, I see that, I believe that, I receive that, and I'm going to act like I've already got it. So in the scripture, 
it reveals this. I'm not going to go back to the law, but I'm just going to give you four points. The first thing that had to, uh, that that person had to have is they had to be related. They had to be a kinsman. I don't know if Mark has that, but I, I gave it to him to put it on the screen. They had to be a kinsman. A redeemer was what was known as a kinsman redeemer. Somebody was sold into slavery. Only a relative could pay to buy them back out. And so what I've been talking about tonight, about the Word becoming flesh, is that we didn't have a Redeemer. And only someone who was related to us could redeem us out of our slavery. And because there wasn't anybody, there wasn't anybody who wasn't affected by the Adamic nature, God just said, I'll become flesh myself and I'll come down and I'll become a relative of yours. Oh, man. Glory to God. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 2, it says, He is not ashamed to call us brethren. Mm. His whole purpose for the Word becoming flesh was so that He could become a part of the human family. so that he could become a part of the human family, so he could qualify as a kinsman redeemer. Man, that's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. That's the whole reason that he came through Mary, was so that he could be a human being born into this world, so that he could identify us by taking on himself permanently the human nature mm. so he qualified to represent us as a relative of us okay so then number two that person must be free themselves a slave can't redeem a slave and so here again is why he was born of a virgin was that he wasn't slave to the Adamic nature he was totally free. In fact, he was operating in the dominion that Adam lost. Well, that's how that he could speak to the wind and the waves and they would obey. That's how he could tell Peter when they needed to pay, pay their temple tax. Just go down and throw a hook in the water and the first fish you catch, just look in his mouth and there you go. That's how he could ride a colt that had never been tamed. See, he was operating in perfect dominion because he was not slave to the human condition. He had the human nature, but he, he didn't have the fallen condition that the rest of us had. So not only did he become our relative, he became your brother. He also was free, so he was able to free slaves. He was able to qualify to do that. And number three, they must be able to pay the price, the full price. See, they couldn't pay part and say, oh, I'll pay you off on the rent. No, you had to be able to pay the full price up front. So this is interesting. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Yeah, they had to be able to pay the full price up front. Let me ask you, what is the price for sin? 
It's death. Death. The soul that sinneth, he must die. The wages of sin is death. So what was the price of our ransom to free us from slavery to sin? It was death. So look at this in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5. It says, Therefore, when he came into the world, talking about Jesus, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Man. See, all of the sacrifices and offerings in the Old Testament of all the different kinds of animals, all the blood that was shed, those were only types and shadows of what Jesus would do. And the body that he took on when he became flesh was for the sole purpose of coming to do the will of God, which was to offer it a sacrifice for your sins and for mine. So he was able to pay the full price. Amen so far. Three out of four. <laughs> We're in good shape so far. He became one of us. He was free. He was able to pay the full price. And number four, and the most important, he must be willing to pay it. You know, if you look in the book of Ruth, you see this kinsman redeemer situation played out. If you remember, uh, Boaz sought to, to pay the redemption price. And... Um, he had to go because there was a relative that was closer and he had to go and say hey are you going to redeem Elimelech's land and they started going through the things you're the closest relative okay he was a, he was free he was able to pay the full price but then he said when he said I'll redeem it he said now now uh, you're going to have to marry her the widow when you redeem it. And he said, I'm not able to do it. <laughs> he said, I'm not able to do it. I'm already married. He could have, but he wasn't willing. Our Redeemer wasn't only able, but he was also willing. He wasn't only able to pay the full price, but he was willing to. The very fact that he the very fact that he humbled himself in such a way. Man, just think about that. God Almighty. The one who created. You go outside and look at the sky and everything that you see. And you know, in the book of Hebrews, it says everything we see and everything we can't see. He created. The universe can't contain God. But he humbled himself and confined himself to a human body. And he didn't do it because he had to. He did it because he wanted to. He was willing to. He was willing to. In fact, in the book of Philippians, it says, uh, it talks, it's talking about how that we should be humble and willing to, to serve and to lay our life down for other people. And it says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus and it begins to talk about how he emptied himself of his pre-existent glory and be, took on the nature of mankind 
man, that's a big demotion, <laughs> you know, to go from being in only the nature and glory of God to be robed in humanity and your glory then hidden. You know, it was still within him. In fact, one translation says he made himself of no reputation. You know, he wasn't born in a palace. That was all by the providence of God. He could have been born anywhere he wanted to be. The very humility of being born in the place that he was and laid in a manger, it just shows that he, he humbled himself to the very lowest place that his, his redemption reaches to the lowest places. His grace runs to the lowest of places. He did that so that he could die in our place so that he could redeem us. Think about this, the death that he died because the purpose of his body was so that he could pay that price. And he was willing to. That, that Philippians 2 goes on and says he became obedient unto death, even the death of a cross. You know, I was, I was doing some reading and stuff the other night about crucifixion. And crucifixion was such a shameful death uh, that it wasn't even able to be done to a Roman citizen. It was such a shameful death that they couldn't even crucify Roman citizens. And Jews looked on crucifixion as that anybody who was crucified was cursed by God. Think about that. That's the death that he submitted himself to. In fact, one theologian said that the cross was the bottom rung on the ladder from the throne. Think about that. The cross was the bottom rung on the ladder that came down from the throne. He he humbled himself all the way down to the most shameful type of death that anyone could ever die so that it would cover every person. He didn't come to die for godly people. He didn't come to die for the good people. He didn't come to die for the righteous. He didn't come to die for the holy, for there was none. That's one of the things that we need to realize is that none of us. I tell you what, a lot of people, I think they come into this not realizing the magnitude of our depravity, the magnitude of how, you know, we, we think too highly of ourselves. You know, well, no wonder he would save me. <laughs> no, no, that's not Jesus as pastor says, he's not a seasoning. It's not like you're a little bland and you just need a little spicing up. No, when you understand salvation right, you understand that the only thing that could be done with you, not be renovated or made a better person, but that you had to be killed. Your old nature had to be put to death on a cross. And because you doing it wouldn't take care of anything, Jesus, the preexistent God, came down and became a human being to be your substitute. And he didn't just die for you, he died as you. He didn't just die for me, he died as me. Yeah. 
In fact, I was there in the Spirit. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He had to be willing to pay the price. Not just able, but willing to pay the price. Amen. He redeemed us. from. He redeemed three things to us. Our innocence. I want you to think about this. He redeemed our innocence. When, we, when Adam was created, he was totally innocent in the sight of God. And we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But we are freely, uh, we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. Redemption is the forgiveness of your sins. You know, I was sharing this the other night that when Christ was on the cross, he had one arm out this way and one arm out that way. That he retroactively and proactively forgave the sins of all of mankind in one sacrifice. Everyone that had ever been committed up until that point and everyone that ever would be committed in all of the future, he took care of it all, once for all, with one sacrifice. He paid the full price. He redeemed our innocence in the sight of God. Man, E.W. Kenyon says righteousness is the ability to stand. Think about this. Stand in the presence of God without any sense of guilt or inferiority. Righteousness. It's the ability to stand in the presence of God. Not because you're good, not because of your, but because of what Christ has done. And then he says, and it's the ability to stand in the presence of Satan as a master. Why? Because you're so confident, your assurance is so confident based on the foundation of who he is and why he is and what he's done, that you're able to stand in the presence of Satan himself as a master over him just as Jesus was Jesus the reason he was so fearless was because he had no sin consciousness that's why he could stand at the tomb of Lazarus after Lazarus after he'd been dead for four days and a whole crowd of people standing around and he could say Lazarus come forth why? Because he had no sense of sin consciousness. And that is what Christ's blood can do for you. It's what it has done. The only reason that we don't have that consciousness of our righteousness and our innocence in the sight of God that, that way is because we don't understand it fully. So he redeemed our innocence. He also redeemed our identity. We were created in the image and the likeness of God. And when you were born again, in fact, that word born again, really, in the real translation, it means born from above. Did you know that your genesis is not your mother and father? Your genesis is God, in God. Oh, he told Jeremiah, he said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. 
Jesus wasn't just an example for us. He was an example of us. When I look at him, I see my true self, especially as a born-again believer because I have become one spirit with him. Especially as a born-again believer, you have become one spirit with him. You are not who you used to be. There's more to you than meets the eye. There's more than, to you than this eye can see. The only way you can know who you truly are is when you look in the mirror of this word. He redeemed our identity as sons of God. Why, he put his very nature on the inside of you. The amazing thing is, is he took on the human nature so we could partake of the divine nature. And I got a scripture for that too. <laughs> I'm not going to turn to it. But 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 says that we are partakers of the divine nature. You know what divine means? The God nature. Man. He redeemed our identity. Not only are we possessors of the divine nature, but he redeemed our inheritance so that we could be partakers of that divine nature. Our inheritance is Christ. I partake of his life. That is my inheritance. It's not, it's not going to heaven in the sweet by and by. The only thing that makes heaven heaven is, he, is his presence. Christ is our promised land. Being able to partake of his divine nature and character is our true promised land. It's our true inheritance. And in the age to come, we are going to share with him in his throne here on earth. Man, that is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Amen. Hallelujah. So what I want us to do and get from this is I just want you to allow to think on these things, meditate on these things, and allow the true awe and wonder of Christ's incarnation to overwhelm your heart and to occupy your mind rather than all of the things that are going on outside. You know, I was thinking about how the, the supply chain has been interrupted Oh my gosh, we're not going to be able to get Christmas presents. <laughs> what about food? You know, I mean, everybody. I'm just saying. That was all I heard. We're not going to be able to get Christmas presents in time for Christmas. Well, there could be worse things. <laughs> Put things into perspective. Trust me. The retail establishments will make sure you have things to buy for Christmas. <laughs> so let the true important things, this mystery of godliness, think on that. Allow that to, to uh, fuel your zeal for the Lord and prepare us for the, the new year that's coming up. Allow this celebration of what he's done to overflow in our heart and our lives to somebody else. Man, what better gift could we give somebody than to share Christ with them? You know, forget a trinket that's going to be broke 
in a little while. What about sharing Christ with somebody? That's what we need to do. We need to allow what, what we've talked about tonight to overflow in our hearts and our lives so much that we can't help but share that with somebody else and let them know what he's done for them. And then, you know, allow his, and this is kind of leading up to what I want to talk about in the future, is allow his first coming to fill us with expectation of his next coming. You know, on the 22nd, we're going to do communion in here on Wednesday night as a church family. And, you know, part of taking communion is looking forward to his return. It says, when you do this, you are proclaiming his death until he comes. We should always be thinking about his second coming. And remembering his first helps to to assure you of his second coming. And you know what that should do? Because we're going to be taken out in the rapture. But it should focus us on other people who aren't in the body yet, who aren't in the ark, that we would reach out to them. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we just give you praise. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for your infinite wisdom. Thank you for redemption. We thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. We thank you for your humbleness to come down, to take on our nature so that we could partake of yours. We just give you glory. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. I just pray over this congregation, Lord, that they would just awaken to the fact that they are already qualified. If there's anybody here tonight that you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, there are going to be people up here up front, ministers who can minister to you. Say you haven't been walking in fellowship with the Lord. You want somebody to pray with you about that. You want to rededicate yourself to your pursuit of Jesus. They're going to be up here for that. If you're struggling in the realm of sickness or, or any kind of depression, anything like that, they're going to be up here to minister to you. We don't want you to leave this place struggling the way you were when you came in. Amen. Amen. Don't forget Sunday morning, 9 and 11, Pastor Greg's going to be continuing on end time marriage. How many of y'all heard that? Good stuff. Amen. Amen. God bless you, and you're dismissed.